Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brennan. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. Way up to you, big Tennessee homer. <laughs> hey, boy, what's going on? Hey, special announcement for the listeners the next couple episodes, Shane. Of course, maybe we should have just waited till the next one to announce this, but the big Tennessee homer is on his way to Nashville. Yeah. So we're going to get some in-person podcasts here coming up. I'm pretty excited. How about you? Going to be like the Beverly Hillbillies rolling in. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the whole crew and absolutely looking forward to it. Uh, Mike's planned us a, a lot of cool places to go to. I, I think one of them was a like a virtual reality thing. Man, I ain't going to know what to do there. It's, it's technology and stuff. So <laughs> Nashville's like 30 years, 50 years ahead of uh, of my county. So I, I'm, I am looking forward to it. My brother, the Flying Hawaiians rolling in. So we're going to have some live shows. So this is a great opportunity to get on YouTube, subscribe. And if you're a first-time subscriber, take a screenshot Email that to that SEC podcast at gmail.com. Get your own koozie, and uh, maybe we could share some beers this week, Mike, because I'm, well, I'm sure we're going to share quite a few down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Hey, but we got some games to break down before we get mm-hmm. to that. Pretty interesting here, Shane. I know you have got an idea that you you're, we're putting on the back burner, so to speak, till the next one, till we get in person. Fans should love it, but. Uh, just a little hint here. It's kind of up the same avenue as this, Shane. The mm-hmm. Broyles Award. That is the award that goes to the, the top assistant coach in the country. They have named their nominees for this season, and we got a bunch from the SEC. So I just wanted to share this list with you and the audience, get your thoughts, uh, because I think there's some omissions, too, that I, I think is uh, kind of important to hit on. So uh, how about this one, Shane? Right okay. off the so, bat. Wait, before you, before you go. So this is the Broyles Award. It's for yes, all assistant coaches. Is this how is this voted upon? Is this something the listeners can go on and get on the website, or is this they've got a committee doing this thing? I believe it's just a committee out of, um, if I'm not okay. mistaken, I think it. I think it's either Little Rock or Fayetteville, but I'm pretty sure it's Little Rock, Arkansas. Of course, uh, Frank mm. Broyles, the legendary Arkansas coach. And yeah. ad, uh, an administrator up there in Fayetteville, just an outstanding tradition of uh, cultivating assistant coaches. So, hey, he was one of the best ever in the SEC. Yeah. So they've named an award after him for a top assistant coach. That's pretty neat. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I was just curious because I, I, I saw Hyatt was uh, on one for the Bendikoff. Is that how you say that? I'm sure I missed Bolitnikoff? that out. Blitnikoff, <laughs> you know, when it gets past one syllable, you know, it's a, it's, it gets a little dicey on this end. So, but I, I noticed that was fan ran and you can get on there and, and, and cast votes. And apparently there's rumors because anytime Tennessee's losing something, there's some sort of conspiracy, <laughs> but I've heard that there was the, the bot conspiracy going on. So I don't know if that's true, but, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to clarify it. I appreciate that. This is one of my favorite awards, Shane, because this is, you know, we always we give so much attention to these head coaches, yeah. And these assistants, you know, they do a hell of a job too. And and also, Shane, these are the guys 
these are the next head coaches, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are the names to know top assistant coaches in the country. We're just going to focus, of course, on the SEC guys. And this first one, as soon as I put this out, Shane, oh, man, <laughs> the controversy here. Pete Golding, Alabama defensive Ooh. coordinator, who a lot of fans are ready to run his ass out of town. <laughs> I think uh, that, that Alabama A on his chest, I think that helped Pete Golding be a nominee here. What do you think? Oh yeah, that's just that's just <laughs> kind of a given. This is the, it's tradition, Mike. You know what I'm saying? You're down there, you, you're getting a little rehab, and uh, next thing you know, you're you're landing a, a head coaching job somewhere. So to do that, you've got to win an assistant award somehow. So absolutely, right. he did make it. Obviously, I don't think he should win it, but uh, <laughs> that but it is no surprise that he's on there. Now, how about this well, one, Is Bill on there? Now, that would be a surprise <laughs> no, because no. media is really starting to drag his ass through the mud. So, okay, so he's not on there. Just wanted to make not sure. this year. Because <laughs> we could just stop the list right now if he is. <laughs> is Satterfield on there? No. <laughs> no There's a few not, names thankfully. that should be nowhere near this list. Okay. Right, right. Uh, and here's one, Shane, not a household name just yet, but this is what I'm saying. Get to know these guys. They could be – coordinators it could be head coaches in the years to come jimmy smith arkansas running back coach yeah so of course uh, you know rocket sanders is having a huge breakout season jimmy smith doing a great job with some young tailbacks there in fayetteville and from what i understand an outstanding recruiter so it's nice to see guys like jimmy smith get recognition from an award like the Broyles award you know what Absolutely. A little hometown cooking, too. <laughs> I mean, we just established this award comes out of Arkansas, so naturally one of those boys are going to make the list. But, no, I, 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 I'm messing with you. I think what they've done with Rocket, and, I mean, he, he's still the leading rusher, right? I haven't checked the stats here lately. Well, but, not anymore. He's, oh, he got yeah. surpassed by uh, by Quinshawn Junkins from Ole Miss. But Rocket is number two. Well, so yeah. We got number one versus number two leading rusher in the conference going head-to-head. This weekend, yeah. man, yeah, I can't wait for good. that one. You know what? It's going to be good. I can't wait to talk. I've been talking about I, That's the thing. You find yourself, and I know I'm getting off track, man. It's late. You knew this was going to happen. But <laughs> I, I just thinking about this game, I was talking to somebody, and it was just like, well, do you think Ole Miss, because Lane Kiffin's saying all this trash talk, you know, is he's going to fire it up. And I'm like, I don't know, man. This is I, the, the closer it gets to Saturday, the better this game sounds, <laughs> you know. So, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. So, and, and a lot of that had to do with the rushing tack Arkansas. They got to get that back on track. So, uh, yes, I, I like this. I like this on the list. Now, another one that uh, he's doing a hell of a job, Shane, Rob Sale. He's Florida's. Offensive coordinator and more specifically, mm-hmm. offensive line coach. You know, the offensive line has been an issue down there in Gainesville uh, under Dan Mullen. Now it is a strength of the team in the Florida Gators, one of the best rushing attacks in the country. Rob Sale coming from the NFL to Gainesville. I, I believe he used to coach at uh, Alabama under Nick mm-hmm. Saban, if I'm not mistaken. So this guy's got ties to the SEC, but. Uh, you know, like I said, take, taking one of the Florida's biggest weaknesses to one of the biggest strengths. Great job there by Rob Sale. Absolutely. Sounds like a fake name, though. I mean, we're going to have to check his birth certificate. <laughs> that may have mixed it up. It's like Garth Brooks, you know, what he did. So, But anyway, yeah. I, I, I think the one thing I like about this is it's, it's the timing. The way Florida has progressed 
on that side of the ball. And, and you got to see it on full display with South Carolina game. I mean, the, the play calling was on point. So, yeah, I think this right. is a good one. Now, this one, Shane, if this guy wasn't on the list, I don't think it would be a valid list here. Todd Munkin, Georgia, offensive coordinator, yeah. quarterbacks coach, just doing a masterful job with the Georgia Bulldogs and their offense. We've talked about it all season long, but they say we don't talk about the dogs <laughs> enough. So let's give Munkin some credit, Shane. Uh, everybody focuses on Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann, Will Muschamp, their uh -huh. defense, for good reason. I mean, hell, it is yeah. the best defense in the SEC. But on the other side, you can make the case Georgia's offense just as good this year. Stetson Bennett having a great season. These tight ends, I mean, they're living up to the, how many? How many times, Shane, do we hype up these uh, position groups and players and then they don't live up to the hype? Brock yeah. Bowers, Darnell Washington, they have exceeded the hype. Uh, and throw in Oscar Delp and, of course, Arik Gilbert. So many weapons. And a lot of teams, Shane, they got all these weapons they don't know how to do with it. They've, yeah. There's chemistry issues, you know. None of that well, that's what, in Athens. That's what a lot of times happens. They become one-trick ponies, and and, and right. as soon as the defense schemes up something to stop it, they, they're they scrambling and they're, they're having a game they're struggling against. The reason Georgia doesn't scramble, the reason they don't struggle, is because you they have you guessing 24-7. Mm -hmm. Tennessee fan watching that Georgia game, I mean, I was on my heels. I did not know where the ball was going to go next. <laughs> so let me ask you, because I've already starting to hear his name get floating around here. Um, do you, do you think there's, um, do you think he's on that staff next year? Mm, you know, that's interesting. I think it's a 50, 50 shot because for one thing, Shane, they pay their assistants so well at Georgia that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he, he, he was head coach, I believe at Southern Miss. He's been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So, I mean, he's got the experience to be a head coach. He's won one national championship, may win another here in a couple of weeks. If they win the championship, it's it's hard not to see him getting another head coaching opportunity. Uh -huh. But, again, it depends on where that's at. You know what I mean? Like, right. if it's another Southern Miss-type job, he's probably taking a pay cut. So, yeah. how much will finances factor into that? I don't know. I mean, Georgia can pay top dollar. I'm sure they'd love to keep him. So, you know, it's an interesting question, Shane. If you're asking me, is he worthy of a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator position in the NFL, 100%. Do you think but, power five? Yeah. I mean, I I would yeah. hire him, for, Yeah, certainly, uh, given what we've seen. But, again. I mean, like, obviously, he's not going <laughs> to jump to law tech or anything. But, you right, know, we've, right, we've, got, right, right. we've got a lot of vacant positions already, uh, Auburn being one of them. And I'm not saying I'm not starting any rumors, but – you know, if Auburn starts going down the list and some of these guys aren't hitting, you know, is that mm – -hmm. I mean, surely that's a job that he would take in a heartbeat. Right. Or maybe like a West Virginia or yeah. dare I even say – you know, I'm sure all these big-time schools, Shane, they always want Urban Meyer and all these crazy names. But, yeah. hell, like Nebraska could do a hell of a lot worse than Todd Munkin. You know, oh, if he yeah. can bring that, that offense to Nebraska, I guess well, – I'm just – making stuff up. I have not heard anything to that nature. But, yeah, I mean, Todd Munkin, he's been one of the best offensive coordinators in the country for two years in a row. Yeah, absolutely. Arizona State, Herm, got him out. You know, there's another job. Oh, yeah. So. Hey, that's a good one. There you yeah. go. That's what you do. You send the Georgia boys out west. So you only got to see them like <laughs> once. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> 
Now, how about this with Shane? Matt House, LSU defensive coordinator, just done a masterful job with that unit. They seem to be getting better week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Matt House, you know, he was at Kentucky before when they won 10 win seasons, went off to the NFL. Now he's back in college football. He's killing it for them LSU Tigers. No surprise to, in my mind to see Matt House on this list. No, me either. I think this is another one similar to Florida. It's just just getting better and better on that side of the ball here in the late in the season. And I think that's that's the key. You you could be a, a one hit wonder for a couple of weeks, but just as you're progressing through the season, it feels like that defense is getting tighter and tighter. So uh yeah, I think this is a good one. This is interesting. man, this is a tough list. They got right. they got their hands full voting on these guys. Now here's one Shane that is kinda another kind of off the wall. Marquell Blackwell, he's the mm-hmm. Ole Miss running backs coach. And, of course, Quinshawn Judkins coming in here as a true freshman, dominating the SEC. That's a credit to uh, Coach Blackwell there. And, and, again, it's nice to see recognition to young coach coming into the conference. This is his first year as mm-hmm. Ole Miss running back coach. So, uh, interesting to see him on this list. But that don't mean he's undeserving by any means. You know what? Yeah. Well, I mean, we got Judkins and Edmonds and – and and Dart, hell, I mean, you put me over there, I'd get, I'd be on the watch <laughs> list. <you know? laughs> I guess just hand it to that guy. <laughs> now, what guy shade? I would even maybe vote for this guy to win it. Pete Limbo, South Carolina special teams coach. Yeah, he was the guy with the great quote we had. You know, driving when you, when you return the kickoff, it's like. Uh, you're standing on the corner, and your girlfriend <laughs> drives by with another man. I mean, that line was gold. But all South Carolina is doing week in, week out, dominating on special teams. Blocked punts, yeah. blocked kicks, kickoff returns. They're doing fakes, field goals, fake punts, scoring touchdowns. I mean, I realize South Carolina has been disappointing. I get it. But they're not going to a bowl game without Pete Lemon. His unit is just playing outstanding football. Absolutely. It's three phases, man. A lot of people, they don't get enough credit until until the shit goes bad, you know. I mean, there's been right. plenty of times we talked about Kentucky's field goals or uh, LSU receiving, uh, you know, punt returns. There, until it goes bad, you, you don't realize how important that phase of the game is. So this is a fantastic one here. This is, I mean, this is Beamer Ball, man. This is this is what they're not, – not Beamer Ball. What do they call it? Yeah, Beamer yeah. Ball. Yeah, Beamer Ball. Damn, I said but so really, much Pete Limbo yeah. Ball. Yeah, Limbo Ball. <laughs> yeah, Beamer has a little bit better ring to it, don't it? <laughs> yeah. Now, last one from the SEC on this list, Shane. He's probably got your vote. Alex Golish, Tennessee offensive coordinator, doing a great job up there. He's a one that you hear often as a potential head coaching candidate because everybody's going to want this uh, Josh Heupel offense brought to their program. So. He's one to keep your eye on, Shane, as, as a head coach somewhere, maybe even uh, like at Ole Miss if Lane Kiffin were to leave. Right. I want to ask you something just kind of off that note, which I think obviously outsider looking in, that's obviously a, a, an easy pick right there, as many yards uh-huh. as they're putting up. Hell, they just put up 700 yards last week, broke a school right. record. But, uh, you know, I want to ask you, when you got a head coach like Heupel, how much credit do you actually give those coordinators? 
I've I've always I've always been fascinated. Just you see it with Lane Kiffin, you you, you yeah. see it uh, now with Heupel. Some of these guys that run that side of the ball, um, hell, you even could back in the day did it with defense. There's been a lot of Kirby Smart prime example. You know, is that mm-hmm. is that Kirby's defense or is or how much uh, when when you look at this in particular situation, how much credit are you giving a coordinator here? Or, or is there that little asterisk saying, well, yeah, it's still Hopple's offense. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a great point, Shane. And that may be the thing that keeps Alex Golish from not winning this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, because Hypel, everywhere he's been, uh, the quarterbacks do outstanding. The offenses explode. So you got to believe. And from what I understand, I mean, Hypel is, making the play calls. But I, but I right. think Alex Golish makes a lot of them too. So I, I think it you know they're obviously on the headset together and, and communicating right. and uh but from what I understand Golish a lot of what he does Shane is uh in the red zone and short yardage and and, and Tennessee's been masterful at that. That's yeah, that's have. why they're beating uh big time programs is is because of these little variations they're making. So this certainly is a uh a collaboration between the two. But again, uh, the ultimate prize may go to Golish because he's he's probably going to be a head coach before long because, like I said, yeah. everybody's going to want that Josh Heupel offense uh, uh, even the further. I mean, Tennessee's already proven uh, a lot this Absolutely. year. But if they if they continue to win big, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just going to make Golish that hotter of a candidate. You know what? Yeah, no, good point. One guy, Shane, I wanted to uh, make note of this. I could not believe he didn't even make his list. I mean, I thought he'd be a nominee. I thought, hell, he may even be a semifinalist. Missouri defensive coordinator Blake Baker did not make the cut. Don't know why. Maybe it's because Tennessee <laughs> torched him yeah. last week. But, hell, one game don't uh, ruin your season. I don't know. I just – I thought yeah, Missouri's one, defense has, has done a complete 180. Yeah, one really like one and a half quarters of a game. Other than that, they, they played – they kept Tennessee in check for most part of the game, and they just – Ran out of players, ran out of bodies, and and we've we've already we've already broke that one down. But no, I think that's that's an excellent candidate. It's, and and you have to ask yourself that, because there's a lot of games Missouri has kept close, and that's yeah. one of the things they've talked about is just not being able to close out the games. Well, it's not because of the defense; it's mm-hmm. because the offense couldn't generate points. And hell, sometimes the the offense did the opposite and gave defense points. So uh, no, I I think this is a this is a sneaky good candidate not on the list you said not on you the list Missouri's oh, Blake Baker man. I could I can't believe it. it they better give him some money buddy because there's other people out there watching it and, and Mizzou's done for for everything that has gone against them that's one mm-hmm. area that has excelled yeah well they they gave him a contract extension recently but not I don't enough. know how binding those I don't know how binding those are with with assistance you know I don't I, don't, I really don't know mm. I'm going to find out. Oh, <laughs> 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 right, yeah. All right, we got four SEC matchups we're going to dive into here, Shane. But I wanted to ask you this real quick because Jimbo, during his uh, latest media availability, you know, we played the comments. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he commented on the, the sleeve gate. He He's refusing to answer injury questions now. But one of the things he was asked about, and, you know, this is – they're likely to, to keep him because of the buy. You know, we all know the, the the contract and everything, and we'll see if he makes the, the changes necessary to fix his offense. But 
Perhaps the biggest question, Shane, and not just because of what's happening here in College Station, but what happened during his tenure at Tallahassee, something that I think has been overlooked uh, and until this season in College Station is his ability to kind of salvage a, a, a locker room that, that may be divided. That hell, we, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't even count how many guys we've had suspended down here uh, this season, and, and it's you know, he makes the point we're a very young team. We played a lot of freshmen. I get it. Yeah. But maybe that's what comes in with bringing in an all-star freshman class is it It takes a little while to kind of acclimate these guys to a college system. We even saw it, Shane. I don't know if you remember this, but um, they're at the tail end of the Urban Meyer era at Florida. They signed what many said at the time was the greatest recruiting class of all time, but what they really got was the biggest headache of all time, and they needed Will Muschamp to kind of come in there and clean out the program. Uh, so yeah. let me ask you that, Shane. I mean, because I don't know if this is getting enough attention. We don't, I'm not sitting here. We've, we've done enough Barry and Jimbo and, and, and calling out the offense. We, we already know all that. We, that's got to yeah. get corrected if they keep him. But what's a bigger challenge, do you think, this offseason, Shane? Fixing the offense – keeping these players, you know, from the transfer portal um, or fixing the culture where, I mean, it just, it just seems like this sleeve gate is like the, is like the, the the latest thing. That's just ridiculous that you just don't see this at Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and and on and on and on. Well, I mean, you may be onto something there. And one of the things I thought of was, you know, when you get all these, top shelf athletes that come in off 24 seven numero unos every camp they go to they're circled around people telling them how great they are i mean that's just that's the narrative that's the thing they've heard their entire lives is it's you 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 it's all about me there's no i and team none of that and and you get to see a little bit of it. it it starts showing up like i don't we weren't there with the muhammad thing but you gotta remember these are kids and any parent that has kids understands there comes a point when they try to defy you. And and maybe that's what happened here was this was a wasn't a simple conversation. This may be a conversation they've had multiple times. And he said, mm-hmm. let me just show you. And I always think back talking about Florida State. I always think back at Florida State when he benched Jameis Winston. You remember that? He sneaks out oh, there yeah. on the field and, and, and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> You, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't lip service. You're not playing today. So sometimes these kids may need that tough love. They need to be told that, you know, it's bigger than just, it's bigger than you. And, and, and so I think when it boils down to it, maybe it is culture. Maybe this team never thought about the team as a unit. They thought about how much money can I make off NIL? How many touchdowns can I get this year? How how soon can I get to the NFL? Where's my next contract? You know, so I think maybe that's kind of the narrative that we've seen. And you're seeing it with, with undisciplined players from, from drug use to defying sleeves to go to a game. When your coach tells you not to wear sleeves, don't wear right. sleeves. I, you know, I, I know people – and myself included, hell, I've already made a couple of jokes online about it, but if your head coach, your leader, and and maybe you haven't agreed with him the entire time, but he tells you something to not do or to do, do, you got to do it. And if you don't, 
and, and it's not punished and you're not punished, then it, it the other kids, it's just like, it's just like raising children, man. If you, if you let one slide with it, well, the next one's going to do something and it may not be sleeves. It may be drug use. It may be driving 80 miles an hour in a parked garage. You know, there's going to be, right. sometimes these kids need discipline and I'm not here to tell you how to parent them, but I am telling you that when it comes to a coach, if you don't have control of that locker room, you lose the entire thing. And I feel like that's something that Jimbo has lost along the way. And now that it's, the season is coming to an end it's something he's really trying to clean up because guess what we got to snap and clear you may not have Jimbo next year but you might most likely will and you don't want to bring that cancer back to your locker room we're going to have some kids transferring out but there's going to be some kids in my opinion pushed out and that's the kind of what I'm feeling down there at College Station that it's time to to find out who's bought into Texas A&M not who's bought into their self right and and this is not an issue that's unique to Texas A&M, Shane. And it may, maybe this is just you know a case study because you better believe players are getting paid at Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, on and on and on. And I'm saying legally, this is, this is all legal now, so I'm, I'm not yep. calling anybody out here. It's all legal what everybody's doing, but maybe uh, maybe you don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to discourage anyone from landing 25 stars, but if half of them are going to be issues, maybe you're better off not getting those players. Again, that's that's a tightrope all these coaches are going to have it's to a, walk. You know, Mike, it's a balancing act. And that's one thing that you got to think about with Texas A&M. Majority of that team is young. There isn't yeah. that senior presence. You know, you can't get away with this shit in Alabama. You can't get away with this in Georgia. The reason is there's other four- and five-star res- recruits down there that are 21, 22 years old, been around the block a few times, you know? Not going to take mm-hmm. shit from a little kid that's coming in saying, I don't care what ranking you were. You're a part of my team, our team. And, and I think that's important, you know, just to have that balance. Now, the problem is with the portal, you're going to have kids jumping in and out, and, and obviously there's <laughs> going to be some new faces. But, you know, you still got to have some of that just – in the somebody in the locker room to just take control. It, Jimbo can talk till he's blue in the face, and that's what he usually does. He just talks around in circles, talk, 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 you know. But you actually got to have some folks in that locker room that other players look up to. And and, and I feel like that's what A&M has missed this year is just that leadership in that locker room. LSU mm-hmm. did something a few years back, and you remember, uh, I think it was uh, – was it white that had the locker, the the closed um, locker room or the Devin horse? White. Yeah, yeah Devin, Devin White. Yeah, he he had the closed locker room and and no no coaches, just players only. And and you would think that a team like Texas A and M that has fell apart to this point at some point would have rallied and maybe had their own meeting saying, okay, listen, we have got to fix this. Not the coaches, mm-hmm. not the media, and, and we never saw it. it. It's just Jimbo defending them every single week. So, yeah, there's a yeah. little something there. And I know LSU's done that twice this year, Shane, after the Florida State game and after the Tennessee game. So, and look, and it look worked for what them. Happened. It bounces back. you got to have it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Olin. Jamal coaches uh, often talk about the, the culture of a football team, mm-hmm. and if they're new, they have to change the culture and things like that. Um, with some of the uh, issues that we've had here, what are, just keep the standard to standard, and when, when they're addressed and when the standard's not 
what we do. We just address it and move on. And we're always going to address it. We're going to keep that way we're going to do things, and, and then we'll go. And then it'll get back in, get back in gear to where it needs to be. Yeah, I, w I wanted to ask you, because of those um, mm -hmm. issues also, um, there are – and what's, what's going on – what might be going on recruiting right now, there's those that uh, follow this program that are worried about whether or not it's in disarray and what's the long-term uh, outlook for this program. It's not in disarray. We've got very good players here. We've got good guys. We'll keep coaching, good young players, recruiting – we're in good shape in recruiting and what we're doing. And there's, like I say, there's other ways in recruiting, like signing a full class. There's other ways with portals and different things you, you address things now. But uh, we're, we're not in disarray in recruiting. We're not in disarray on our team. Our guys are playing their tails off, playing hard. Got to continue to help them play better. And got a great attitude and demeanor. I think it's, it looks very good. Now, hey, we got some games to discuss, so let's get into it, Shada. And the one we've already kind of teased a little bit here. Very much looking forward to it. I've double and triple checked. It is a night game, Shada. Ole Miss at <laughs> Arkansas. They are getting a night game finally in the conference play. And how about this, Shane? I don't know if you've seen this. At least according to uh, current uh, weather forecast, it's going to be about 30 degrees around kickoff. And they're saying a low of, I believe, 16 degrees is what it could get down to. So uh, the weather is going to factor into this, Wood. We got, we already said it, Junkins, Rocket Sanders, number one, number two in rushing in the SEC. So some of the best running backs in the country going head-to-head -head here. KJ looks like he's going to be able to play, but that could change. That obviously will will play a huge factor in the outcome of this matchup. But you got to remember, Shane, this was last year. I believe it was 52-51, decided mm -hmm. by a two-point conversion on the road. Arkansas didn't get it. They lost the game. The season before, it was the Matt Corral four-interception day. I mean, <laughs> these two programs, it's kind of like a measuring stick game. And I realize Ole Miss has had a better season. Arkansas has had a disappointing season. But – this is an opportunity to kind of flip that script for both. I mean, yeah, Ole Miss people are—they're chalking this up already as as an automatic W, ten-win season. You know, I I can't tell you how many times Shane, everybody wants to talk Lane Kiffin to Auburn, and every time they mention it, they're saying, "Well, hell, he's led Ole Miss to two ten-win seasons." Well, hell, he ain't done yeah. it yet. They got to close this <laughs> thing out. They've only won eight games. So they're they are chalking you up as an automatic W. I, I would say, Sam Pittman, that's got to be the message all week long. Come out here, play some good football in some nasty weather. And I, yeah. I think this weather plays an advantage to Arkansas. What do you think? Yeah, I, I well, I mean, you could have said that last week with LSU. I mean, they were cleaning up frost off the, off the field. <laughs> and so I, I don't, think it helped them. I think it helped I, them. Well, it a, if they had KJ in there, they would have won no. that football game. Well, without a doubt, still a slow, sluggish start, and that's the problem with Arkansas here of late. They just not been able to hit the gas early. But yeah, yeah if if that weather slows down this Ole Miss attack, then or if they get caught looking behind, uh, and that's one of the things that all week we've talked about Alabama not just the game with Alabama but the job down there in Auburn it's, it's it seems like mm -hmm. it's another Alabama week and and you know that that gets in your ears and is and as a player I would imagine 
worried about my coach staying around. You know, I committed to him. I committed to this university and, and all these rumors. I don't know if he's putting it to bed or letting these kids know, hey, I'm not taking the job and they're believing him. But, you know, there's still it's still noise coming in. And that's, that's the big one for me, brother. So I like Arkansas situation. You got a night game. You don't get too many of them. These fans are going to show up and show out. It's going to be nice and cold. It's football weather, brother. This is football. <laughs> I mean, this is what you sign up for when you come to the SEC. So I think this is going to be a hell of a game. And um, Arkansas, man, sleeping giant, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm worried for Ole Miss coming into this one. Throw out the record books. It doesn't matter. This game's always tight, and I think this year will be no different. Just a elite matchup of uh, football minds, Shane Lane Kiffin going head to head against Barry Odom's defense. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you get a matchup of, of play callers like that, man, I, I get fired up for it. So we'll see what tricks Ole Miss got <laughs> left up their sleeve. But yeah, the uh-huh. letdown factor could be real. And, and like you said, you know, Arkansas they they have struggled to start fast, but if they do. This is a game where you feel like if you can jump on Ole Miss, they may cave, particularly on the road, this weather, rowdy crowd. This is They could be walking into a buzzsaw here, don't you think? Uh, they really could. They really could. And, you know, it really depends on the health of KJ. Obviously, needed a break, needed some rest, needed some time off. And it's been showing up on the field. I think he's really been trying to fight through this thing. And, and, and if that extra week – you know, he was able to heal some ailments and come out and, and play KJ football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. We've not seen a, a Jefferson game in a long, long time. We've seen a, a shadow of him. And, mm-hmm. and and if he could come out and be dialed in, brother, that's, that, that's what worries me if I'm an Ole Miss fan. I'm looking ahead to Arkansas a little bit. You guys played a pretty crazy game last year the 52 to 51 game um what do you remember from that game just as a as a coach uh it's a reminder to me that every game's independent of a different game um the year before had been low scoring uh, you know we really struggled against that defense and would not have predicted a high scoring game 100 points between the two so every game's different every week's different and um, that's just a really good reminder you know just like you can go go into a game and look at LSU and Arkansas, and most people would have said, okay, well, that's probably going to be lopsided based off of what had happened the week before, Liberty versus Alabama outcomes. So um, it just shows you every week's different and every game's different. Expectations up, because when you got here, I don't know that there were a lot of expectations outside the, you know, outside the room over there with you guys, but in year three. Now, is it somewhat of a, Good thing that people are kind of upset you lost to AM and Liberty, thinking maybe you should have won those games in the past. You've won them, but at least their expectations are up. The, the for the program, it's going back up. I mean, is that a good thing in some ways? It's a great thing. I mean, I'm the head coach at Arkansas. I, you know, I'm going to take if we were 10 and 0, I, people wouldn't like me or like what I'm doing or decisions I make. And that comes with the job. I mean, that's just what it is is it right is it not i mean i don't have time to talk about that but you're going to get criticized and we're five and five and we've been you know we lost to a&m by two and we I mean, last year if you look, go back we 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 beat mississippi state you know at the end of the game we beat lsu in overtime or we're seven and 
seven and five last year, seven and and whatever it is, two, two and two, seven and six, I guess. We haven't been able to win the close games, you know. Uh, uh, two of them weren't close, and really, well, Alabama was a five-point game going into the fourth quarter. Um, we've got to figure out how to win close games, and you're going to have to do that every year. If you don't, your your record's going to be from nine, ten wins to six and five wins. It's just how it is, and I think if you look over most all the teams in SEC, it's that way as well. Um, with being five and five and and all the expectations, I'd rather have the expectations be high and take what I what take the criticism than they go. Oh well, you played LSU to thirteen and ten, and they are West Division champs. We don't we don't want any of that. We we want to win, and it doesn't matter who we play. So. Uh, did we did we go faster than even what I thought we would last year? Probably, uh, but I was happy with it, and we're we're disappointed where we are. But we can wallow in it, or we can get bowl eligible. And uh, I think you saw Saturday that our team was wants to go to postseason play, and I think you'll see it again Saturday. Also, ask you about the series with them. You know, you you were involved in the Henry Heave, the fifty-two to fifty-one. Yeah. Last year, I mean, both games had big two-point conversions. It's just been a wild deal, and I just wonder what you think about maybe the back and forth you've had with Ole Miss. Well, it's always exciting to play Ole Miss, and especially with Lane being the coach, you know, and all that. He's, you know, a popular man, great coach, all those type things, and he's got them, you know, he's got them going. Um, but it's always exciting because the fans are going to be excited about the game because there's going to be a lot of offense, you know, and and. Uh, I'm sure they can use that as I don't think their defensive. I didn't say that. I mean, I, last year it was 52 to 51. I mean, it was a, I'd say that's a lot of offense, you know, and, and, uh, and I know they've got a really good offensive team and we do too. And if we can get our quarterback back, I think it'll be one well of a game, just like it, just like these other ones have been. Uh, if I thought we had any advantage on that, it'd be playing at home at night. Our fans haven't left us, and and uh, they'll be sold out just like they were uh, Saturday. And and uh, they're disappointed, and, and guess what? So am I, very. And we're working hard to change that. Um, but I understand their disappointment. But they're going to show up and, and raise a lot of heck on Saturday, and we're going to need them to. But uh, I think that's what the series is all about. You know, we recruit a lot of the same kids and things of that nature. So, uh, obviously, Sam Carter left and went over there and different things. So, uh, there's a lot, certainly a lot to play for. And we're not bowl eligible, and and uh, we sure need to get that way. Now, how about this one, Shane? Georgia, number one Georgia, going on the road at Kentucky. Kentucky coming off that rough, rough loss at no, at home against Vanderbilt. I almost said at Vanderbilt, but not that that would make it any better. But is there a chance that, uh, you know, kind of like Arkansas is, is the example I used two weeks ago, lost to Liberty, come back, had to face LSU. You know, you had to get up for it. You know, pride's on the line. A lot's on the line. I think you could say the same thing about Kentucky. Uh, not that it, beating Georgia would completely salvage their season, but – this is the one team they've not been able to beat under Mark Stoops in the SEC East. They they could storm the field. They could have their moment. You know, I mean, what are the odds that Kentucky plays out of their mind 
and does the impossible and beats them Georgia Bulldogs. Slim. <laughs> slim, <laughs> slim chance I set here. that up for you. I, I know, I know. I, I, and I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not – I'm not piling on. Hell, these guys lost to Vanderbilt. Nothing I can say can hurt their feelings right now. What is going to hurt is watching this football game because Kentucky has only got one thing going for them right now, and that's Rod in the running game. And what is yeah. Georgia, Georgia so good at? Stopping the running game. So they're going to load the box. They're going to force Will Levis to win this game, and I'm not convinced – a, a non-mobile Will Levis can get that done. This is this is not going to be good. This, this is going to be – I'm sorry, man. I, I'd love to give you some hope. If if this – maybe this is hope. Here, here Mike, yeah, let me say this real quick. I told you Kentucky last week was going to beat the shit out of Vandy, and I was uh -huh. wrong. So maybe me saying that Georgia is going to beat Kentucky, I'll be wrong again. Because usually I am. So Kentucky fans are right. probably ecstatic that I think they don't have a shot because this is old school Kentucky. Nobody has faith in them anymore. Everybody's right. got their doubts with Kentucky. And that's sometimes what works best for these boys. And it has in years past us against the world mentality. So maybe maybe that, that galvanized them and you get the best game you've seen in a while. Well, how about this, Shane? Here's something that I think you may be overlooking. You know, maybe it's not it's not accurate to say Georgia's got a lot of young guys playing anymore. I mean, you could you could say that early in the season, but once you've mm -hmm. reached mid-November, I mean, these guys are essentially experienced now. But they do have a lot of contributors that are are young players, and I think about midway through the season, you know, they started playing down to the level of their competition. Yeah, And I think you see that from Kirby. He's trying to make the case, man, this is the most physical team we face year in and year out. Chris Rodriguez, my God, he's the best, most physical back we'll ever see, all this. But, mm -hmm. again, these are young players that they're going to look at the film and say they just lost to freaking Vanderbilt. We right. could have beat Vanderbilt by 200 points. I mean, it's only human nature to look down on Kentucky. I think there's a – you know, maybe a slim, but still a, an opportunity that Georgia does not, and not the entire roster or anything like that, but I think there's a chance they disrespect and overlook Kentucky. They're already eyeing that LSU game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kirby's got guys in the basement right now working on that LSU game plan, but mm. he's saying, don't, by God, don't let any of the players know we're, we're looking two weeks <laughs> out. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's happening in that building, and – I don't know. I don't know, Shane. I mean, if Kentucky's got any pride, they'll play. This is the best game they'll play all season. Otherwise, man, they just they just completely wasted everything. All this potential, all this hype. They they will literally be the fifth place team in the SEC East if they drop this game. That's why I think they come out and play out of their minds with their hair on fire. And it could be. And one thing there is one thing about Georgia. We had the Mizzou game. We had yep. the Kent State game. We mm -hmm. had even the Florida game. Some some say yep. Georgia has a tendency sometimes to overlook their opponent and, and be thinking ahead. Maybe they are thinking of LSU, SEC championship, college football playoffs. You know, yep. it's, there there's always that option. And you got to remember too. There's there's probably going to be some players that if they're fifty fifty, they may get shut down here. Hey, let's let's let them take a day off. 
let's let them rest because we're going to need them toward the tail end of this season. So that's one thing they're not talking about. There's going to be some of these injuries, some of these day-to-days that you may not see suiting up for the Kentucky game. Not that Kirby doesn't think he needs them, but maybe that he thinks that they don't have to have them. And, and sometimes that's going to be a factor. So I don't know. I this I'm, I'm not ruling it out, even though I was a Debbie Downer at the start of this thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, but damn, you want to talk about changing the narrative you want to talk about getting people off your back and putting kentucky back on the map brother this is it taking down a powerhouse powerhouses have been taken down alabama lost two games this year big big dogs have have come down so you get them right missouri had georgia up against the ropes there was a moment i mean that fan base was about they still almost tore down the goalpost even though they didn't win the thing you know just close enough so i i think that's what kentucky needs is just a, a big rally and uh maybe they could catch them sleeping. going to a uh tough place to play in the sec which they all are um this is one of the challenging ones uh they got a great environment uh Mark Stoops has done an incredible job there uh, with the program uh, coming off a tough loss, you know, against Vandy. And um, I know we'll get the response uh, from them that you would expect out of a a team that's uh, the quality of Kentucky. You know, they've done a tremendous job the last two or three years with what he's done with their program. He's built it through uh, keeping players there, uh, developing players, um, extremely physical and tough when you ask our kids over the last two years what the most physical game they played in to a man, almost every one of them talks about how physical the Kentucky game was two years ago up there and then at our place uh, last year, you know, where they went on a 20-something play drive uh, against our defense to end the game. Um, and their defense is one of the tops in the conference year in, year out, but uh, that way this year as well. So great challenge for us to go on the road. Kirby, Chris Rodriguez is coming off of one of his best games of the season. Just what makes him such an effective running back and the challenge he presents? His, his willingness and love for contact. He seeks and cherishes contact and it's uh you know it's that time of year where you know you watch defenses across the country and people turn down contact they turn down hits and we make a point to try to show it to our guys that as the year goes tackling gets worse and worse and worse are we going to be bit by that contagious bug of of uh, lack of a willingness to 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 thud and tackle people especially a, a a guy that's Loves it. I mean, he seeks it. He wants to hit you. And one of the most physical runners I've seen, and it just seems like Kentucky always has uh, that guy. You know, Snell, Benny, Benny was that way. They're just it, – it, it almost feeds to their personality. Uh, and you watch it and you're like, well, how did he get through that tackle? And you don't really know because he just keeps going when people hit him. And um, great challenge. Great challenge to, uh, to be physical with this guy and match his love for contact. Challenges – coaching a team where everybody this summer told these guys how good they were going to be versus for most of your tenure it was all you're the underdog people are thinking I, I think that's it's fair because it's human nature and we fight against it as, as, as strong as we can you know and uh, you know it's 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 something I had a, I had a conversation with one of our leaders and one of our great players yesterday about that and it's in I we talked about that exact thing, you know, because it's like, you know what we can be, but you know we have 
some youth and some fill, you know, things to fill. And I'm just not one that I don't, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable talking about excuses. You know what I mean? And, and doing that, you know what I mean? It is what you just fire at me. We have a good team. Yeah. What am I going to say? No. Yeah. Like, you know, I believe in our players. I believe in our team. I believe in, I still believe in them and, and nobody's given up and we do have a very good team. We have to play better in certain situations. As I mentioned a thousand times to the team, there's so many plays in the game, you don't know which one's going to determine the outcome of it. And we've let a couple games come down to a couple, you know, mistakes. And we try to, we're not good enough to overcome them, but we didn't overcome them. You know, we still have a lot in us. We still have a lot, of, we've done a lot of good things. We could certainly be better. But that that's a, that's a, a fair question it's a balance that uh i don't know if anybody has the exact answer to that you know uh, coaches we all go through it and we all believe in our team and again i've said it early i say it we you know we go to line up to compete to practice to go play to win every game you know i'm not giving up on any we understand there's real challenges <laughs> by the Our way mission, just two penalties away from 82 but it seemed like an overall theme of the season just been its general sloppiness maybe in all three phases it's week 12 mm. Don't disagree. Yeah, don't disagree. You know, don't disagree. That I, I uh, really look hard, and that uh, that I don't get discouraged. I I fight and I battle, and I look to improve and look for solutions. But that does bother me. You know, it bothers me as the head coach of of being undisciplined and having those penalties. We're talking about being sloppy, not executing in critical moments. You know, just the things that we've done to help you know, win some, a lot of close games, and that's on me, you know, and uh, I don't feel, you asked me how I felt, I don't feel good about that, you know, and, and uh, it does truly start with me and, and making sure that uh, everybody uh, executes in those critical moments, and, you know, under extreme, extreme pressure, your habits are going to come straight to the surface, and obviously I haven't created enough good habits with, with this unit, with this team. On that topic, you talk about can't make knee-jerk reactions, which I think is understandable, but you know, three weeks from the transfer portal window opening, you're a little more than a month from signing day. What's Pardon me, I'm sorry, John. What? You're talking about not making knee-jerk yeah. reactions. Yeah. Three weeks from the portal opening, yeah. a month from signing day. Yeah. What do you tell recruits your own players about the future of the offense? Well, they they know. They could see things. They they watch it. I mean, it's not. In, and I'm not sitting here saying. I have my head in the sand. Like I accept it, I, I shoulder it, and we look at things, and and we'll get better, and we can make adjustments. That doesn't always have to be a personnel to your to to kind of your question. We have smart, good coaches in here, and there are things we could do, and there are things we we do do well. We need to execute a little better, and and you know we have a really good, experienced, talented quarterback, and we have some really young guys in certain positions. You know we. You know, for whatever, again, I'm not comfortable talking about excuses. There are no excuses. But, I mean, you go through things, you get caught. There, there are reasons why we get caught a little thin in offensive line. You know, we've, we've gone through some real life stuff that has been hard. You know what I mean? That through, through years. And, and then, you know, uh, change doesn't help either. You know, with, with a guy coming and leaving. You know what I mean? So there's, we got put in this position. It's my job to get it fixed. But there, there are some things that, that, that we can fix and will get fixed, you know. So that's where the, the portal and things of that nature can help you to, to where when we took over 10 years ago, those things weren't there. How about this one, Shane? Tennessee on the road at South Carolina, Williams-Brice Stadium, officially announced here on Tuesday. It's a sellout crowd. Now, I do anticipate mm -hmm. that there's going to be a lot of orange down there, but still a sellout crowd, rocking environment. It's 
shell-shocked A&M for what that's worth. Yeah. You know, it's, it's shell-shocked many opponents down there with 2001 coming out. Uh, is there – in Tennessee, hell, we kind of – I don't want to make the same argument week in, week out, but we – you know, we talked about them having to press, having to to impress the committee and all that, yet they damn near hung 70 on Missouri. So I don't think pressing is really an issue, but I think it's more about going into a, an environment. I realize South Carolina has been a disappointment, and it would be a very uphill climb to get this win. But I don't know, Shane. Could, could the crowd, could the road environment – be that edge, the special teams come up with some big plays. I mean, that's that's what it's going to take for Carolina to to stay competitive and, and potentially win this game, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you saw it. Georgia was rocking, and, and that was definitely a factor during that Tennessee game. So, yeah. uh, if, if William Bryce is at 100%, then it, it's, it's going to be a factor. We're going to have some pre-snap penalties, and, and next thing you know, we're looking at a – first and 15 or first and 20 or you know it's just if you can if you could start that narrative and, and get everybody bought in and i think you will i think there's a lot of south carolina you try to try you try to avoid twitters okay because these two teams hate each other we're neighbors and it seems like more and more every year this fan base and our fan base it, it's just they're, they're at each other we pick on them they pick on us we lose when Tennessee lost the Georgia game, I think I saw more South Carolina fans in my mentions than I did Georgia. <laughs> weren't even there, you know. So it's just they love to see them suffer, just as if Tennessee does. So I, I think this is this is going to shake out to be a very good game. Uh, I think it's going to be a very hostile environment. Uh, Williams Bryce, if if they come and, and they're going to be there ready to rock and roll, if they can if they can keep that up. But if Tennessee takes the wind out of that sails, buddy, it's over. You know, that's that's the thing. You cannot afford it. It's got to be at 100 the entire fourth quarters, you know. You cannot just show right. up for the first two drives and then go on silent because if you do that, you're in for a long night. And one thing I, th- I just thought it was hilarious, Shane. I'll play these clips real quick. Jalen Hyatt, he's from down there. I think he's from actually right outside Columbia. Mm-hmm. Didn't get that dream offer for from South Carolina. Now yeah. he's – may be the best receiver in the country. Shane Beamer wants it to be the world to know I was not here. I am not responsible. It's almost like he was saying <laughs> the f- the four or five touchdowns this guy's going to score. Don't yell at me in the post game. <laughs> and with, with Jalen Hyatt, he's from Columbia, that area, played in that stadium in high school. They didn't recruit him. Do you think he has this game circled going into this week? Yeah, for sure. Um, Jay Hyatt, you know, Anytime you go home to play, it's a it's a, a great feeling. Um, and Jay Hyatt plays with a chip on his shoulder week in, week out. Uh, his competitive fire is is amazing. Uh, I just want to match it, you know, whenever whenever we're out there together. And you can see that intensity that he plays with, you know, when he catches the ball. He's he playing very physical right now, playing very smart and savvy. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing to go home to your hometown and have family and friends there and put on a show. So I'm excited to see uh, how he do his thing. As Jalen Hyatt's had his really good season, have have you had to maybe remind people that y'all weren't here when he was not offered by South Carolina? <laughs> no, but I am. I was not here. I did not. I was. I, 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 Jalen Hyatt is a phenomenal football player, and I was coaching at the University of Oklahoma when he graduated 
and just and, and chose to go to Tennessee. So I haven't had to hope people know that. But no, I've certainly heard from people about what an idiot I am that I didn't recruit Jalen Hyatt. Well, you know, blame Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal because we didn't recruit him at Oklahoma and and um, whoever else here. But you know, certainly he's a fantastic player and and what a year he's uh, what a year he's having and what a threat he is out there on the perimeter also. <laughs> I mean, I think he's kidding around, Shane, but it, did, it, yeah. did it almost seem like he's saying, oh, man, don't hurt us too bad? I've not seen this approach in a long time. Now, as a Vol fan, I love it, but it's rat poison. you got to be careful because a lot of these guys will come out and they'll say the same stuff, but this felt like like what you said, don't hurt us too bad. You know? And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, it wasn't just this comment. He made a, a comment earlier about uh, he really wished that Hooker would have stayed in Virginia Tech, and he doesn't know how <laughs> he got away out of Blacksburg. I mean, you know, with the ties. So I don't know if his dad had something to do with that or not. But he speaks for itself. Uh, what a great player Hendon Hooker is. I remember watching him in high school. I was at Georgia. We were trying to recruit another young man from Greensboro. And I remember being up there on a Friday night watching. Uh, that young man play and he was playing against Hendon's team and just remember watching him that night and just how talented he was as a quarterback as an alumnus of Virginia Tech I'm still trying to figure out how the heck he got out of Blacksburg when he was their starting quarterback there um, and ended up at Tennessee so for selfish reasons as an alumni or an alumnus of Tech and the head coach of South Carolina um, wish he was still in Blacksburg uh, for sure but I, I just I, I love I, I love this and uh as a Tennessee fan, a South Carolina fan, I'm a little, you know, I mean, I don't want to go into a game play, playing this card, but if that's what it takes <laughs> for, for, you know, to, to, you know, that's one thing about Tennessee. If they come ill-prepared, that that's where they make their mistakes early in the game. And, and, and if you, if you're like me and you read the, the, the Twitters and the, and the message boards, and you just, <laughs> you, you convince yourself that this is not going to be a ball game. Well, you come into that and next thing you know, you get punched in the mouth and you're mm -hmm. down a couple scores. I'm not saying that's how it's going to happen, but if that does happen, then you start second guessing. I, I think the pit game is a prime example. Uh, everybody down here just knew we were going to be pit. And then we go up there, and the first three drives, we go three and out, and it's like, wait a minute, we may, what's, you know, are we going to lose this game? Yeah. And then you start second guessing, you start doing stupid calls, you start forcing the ball, and, 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 you know, it, it all comes with how you're prepared. And, and so, yeah, this is an interesting approach. The old, uh, don't hurt me too bad, but, uh, <laughs> hey, if it works, then, then they're going to look back and say, hey, there, there's Beamer. That's what we hired him for. Yep. All right, one more, Shane. Florida going on the road to Vanderbilt. Red Hot Florida Gators. I mean, you assume they're just going to come up here, take care of business. But, mm -hmm. man, even Vanderbilt, they're – I don't want to call them Red Hot, but, hell, they just – biggest win in, in several seasons. They mm -hmm. played South Carolina very tough two weeks ago, had their opportunities. I mean, they, they had four turnovers, if not for those, that maybe they beat the game. Maybe they're sitting here on a two-game winning streak, Shane. This, I think, um, you know, it's an early game. I think there's a – I don't want to say upset potential. I don't want to get them Gators mad at me. But I think there's an opportunity that this is a much, much tighter ball game than people are anticipating. And I think Vegas, when they put out the spread, I think they're kind of cluing us into the possibility yeah. that – and who knows? I mean, just imagine Anthony Richardson. I believe he's played four games now in a row without a turnover. What if – 
the bad Anthony Richardson shows up. I mean, yeah. then things really get interesting, don't they? Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of people forget. You you remember the old uh, Mason, uh, Dan Mullen fights we were having oh, during yeah. these games. I mean, there's been some heated little little mm-hmm. fights. Now, Flor- Florida typically runs away with it, but there's been moments in some of these games in the past we're sitting there at halftime saying, hey, Vandy's still in it, you know? So right. maybe maybe that's something they carry into this thing. I think Vanderbilt, you know, they 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 finally proved it to themselves. The hard work's paying off. That, you know, it, it, it's it's – it is an uphill battle for them as opposed to some of these other schools. But if they keep putting the work in, good things will happen. And I think that was what Lee echoed there at the end of the game. And and that's going to mm-hmm. continue. That's that's not something that's going away. That's not a one-hit wonder. That's what you're getting when you, you get Vanderbilt. You're going to get the best that you can get out of that team. Now, what you're hoping for is that Florida's overlooking you. What you're hoping for is that Florida is ill-prepared coming into that matchup and, and gives you opportunities and you take advantage of it. So this this is going to come down to coaching, brother. And, and if Billy and, and, and company can get everybody dialed in and, and, and focused a task at hand – yeah, Florida has real potential just to blow Vanderbilt out of the water. I mean, so I don't know if you got your prize picks in, but, buddy, ETN and, and Johnson, buddy, <laughs> there's a real shot. They both could have over 100 yards in this thing. So that's that's what you're hoping happens if you're a Florida fan, that you just continue because that's one thing. Florida is on that upward swing, and not only on yeah. the recruiting trail, but at the end of the season, they got a real opportunity to close it out, just win out, and um, I think they got a real shot here. So it, it's it should be a good game, but you know, there's a real opportunity here for the Florida Gators to to, to blow Vandy out of the water. Right, and I think you hit on something important there, Shane. All that momentum going into the off season. Mm-hmm. the The future is bright under Billy Napier, but you drop a game like this. Man, you're, yeah. you're going to lose some fans. That momentum will be immediately halted. Same thing, we're, we're sitting here questioning the future of Mark Stoops and in Lexington. That's what losing to Vanderbilt will do to you. So you don't want to be – it's like it's like an embarrassment if you lose to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. That is, that's something you got to factor a little bit. You, you do not want to be the team that loses to Vanderbilt. And last thing, I hate to go all weather uh, once again, but – Man, I don't. It, for those that don't know, man, we we've got hit by a cold front up here in Nashville. You're about to find out on your way up here. It is frosty, chilly out. It's, I mean, it it could be thirty degrees here when this game's played. And them Gators, Shane, they don't play well in that cold weather. So maybe a little factor there as well. At least the the way they're constructed now, though, pounding the rock, that does translate. It's not like they're the fun and gun Spurrier days where. That could really hurt you, but so so maybe I'm overselling that, but just a, just a little factor to consider. You know what? Yeah, a little discouraged by the weather situation there in Nashville. Not gonna <laughs> lie, I pulled up the AccuWeather. I thought I was still locked in at Gatlinburg, but nope, I was uh, I was on Nashville temp. So yeah, we got highs in the 40s, lows in the 20s. It is it is going to be a brisk week. So um, so maybe maybe a factor. I don't know if it, it will be, but it is an interesting uh, spin on it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, brother, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the show. You got anything before we uh, hop off the line? No, like I said, uh, uh, again, listeners, viewers, uh, be sure to check out the YouTube channel this week. Uh, we're going to have some, we're going to have some, a little bit, 
less formal. And, and as you guys have caught us in the past, you know, we're going to be a little bit more laid back, probably a little bit more drunker than usual. And uh, so you never know what you're going to see on here. But be sure to check out the, the rest of the pods this week. Should be exciting. I'm, I'm pumped up, ready for uh, just to see you, man. We're heading down tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you've got all these places picked out uh, for us to eat. So I'm looking forward to that, of course. And then uh, yeah. uh, play watching football all weekend. So no, it sounds like a great week to me, brother. Absolutely. Well, can't wait for it. Can't wait uh, for all that food, especially. But that is going to do it for this episode of the show. Appreciate you, as always. Appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Here it was just pumping up the video. My camera's been dead for the last five minutes. So. <laughs>